Welcome to The Whole View. I'm Stacey Toth of realeverything.com. I'm all about loving the skin you're in and being healthy inside and out. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I believe that scientific literacy is the key to improving public health. Welcome back to The Whole View, episode 428. We're going to be talking about navigating the holiday season, which uh, during a global pandemic might look a little different. Um, This is one of the topics that I know has been top of mind for myself and our family. And we wanted to make sure that we shared with you listeners some ideas that our families are talking about. And um, the number one thing that I want to say about this show, I know we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but Everything in life is all about mindset. And if you approach this as an opportunity for new traditions that you can carry forward and an opportunity to start, for example, celebrating sooner, (laughs) I'm going to put my tree up like (laughs) next week. Um, It can potentially, that magic of the holidays can not be completely squelched, but maybe just look a little different. And for me, I'm trying to think of it as a way to um, add on to the traditions that our family has instead of what's being taken away. And so I I just want to encourage everybody as we talk about this, you might be like, oh, grumble, grumble, I hadn't thought about that or, you know, whatever. And I just, I hear you. I feel you. You're not alone. But the more that you can try to think about this from the perspective of what positivity and good this can bring in your life, I think the better the outcome, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're certainly not going to feel good about it if you go in with a negative mindset. I need to tell you a story um, because I love the idea of um, using this as like a motivator to actually extend the holiday season and extend the festivities, albeit at home. We have uh, a neighbor around the corner who has uh, two skeletons like hanging out on their front porch uh, for Halloween decorations. And I realized after walking past them about the eighth time that they're not dressed as Santa elves, but they're actually dressed as pirates. But for about eight days... (laughs) I was convinced that these two skeletons were dressed as Santa elves. And I have decided that blending Halloween and Christmas decorations is the most genius thing ever. And I love the idea. So um, I'm just, I realize that, um, you know, our listeners are um, who subscribe to the show are probably listening to this the day before Halloween or on Halloween. Um, you know, maybe if you're not uh, a regular subscriber, you're listening to this after the fact, but I just want to encourage some creativity because I, I just, you literally have to imagine me walking past these. They're definitely pirate skeletons, but I was convinced. It wasn't until I had a whole conversation with my husband. He was like, you know, the pirate skeletons. I'm like, you mean the Santa elf skeletons? It was a thing. Um, but I just, I think a little zombie Santa Claus action would be, um, it would, it would warm my heart. I just find it I find it, I don't know, just eclectically awesome. 
I'm trying to imagine what that <laughs> would look like, <laughs> that you could be confused by the two of those. So No, it's because it's like they're wearing, it's like a, it's like a, you know, the, what are the short pants? Culottes, whatever they, but they're like <laughs> green with like a red, like scarfy thing. It's just because it's green and red. That's, that's what confused me. But it's like clearly like a, you know, the short sailor pants What from olden privateering days i hope we use that soundbite just you know you referring to culottes and then (laughs) the olden days references it's a it's a good one it was a good way to start the day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't i don't know if i'm communicating how much it just tickled me when i thought that these skeletons were dressed up as santa elves and i like i legit for eight days walking past these decorations was like that's so genius because you just put up the decorations now and you can leave them up for <laughs> two months. Okay, it's kind of different once you realize they're pirate skeletons and that feels a lot more just Halloween's lane. But still, I uh, yeah, I just I was like, oh, I was starting to think like what we could do um, with our our limited uh, decoration resources <laughs> in the back of the garage. Well, before we jump into the rest of the holidays, I do want to apologize to Canada that we did not get this show out to you in time for Thanksgiving, and I hope that you had a wonderful Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, We recognize that the show is international, but uh, America is where both Sarah and I are celebrating our holidays, so our timing is a bit off. Um, But before we jump into Halloween and get right to Christmas, according to Sarah. Um, we do have, <laughs> we do have, um, just want to make sure you guys are aware that ButcherBox is offering a free turkey. They're not sponsoring this show, but it's such a good deal that we want to make sure that you're aware that it exists. Um, you know, we've talked about them before on the show. You can choose from a variety of different boxes and that kind of stuff. And if you sign up, um, today, well, depending on when you listen to the show, I think until November 15th, you can um, add a 10 to 14 pound free range uh, turkey to your box. And I would say even if like one person in your house is subscribed, maybe like your spouse isn't subscribed, (laughs) you know, to take advantage of Mm -hmm. a turkey. So if you want to check it out, you can go to butcherbox.com slash the paleo view um, and get it's yourself. It's our old link. It's our old link, it's, guys. Yeah, but it's okay. Our you forgive us. can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we want to make sure that you take advantage of a free turkey. And I would say you, Sarah, and I have both taken advantage of ButcherBox and a whole bunch of other grocery type delivery services. We've talked about um, Imperfect Foods and Misfit. What's it called? Misfit something. Misfit Market. Misfit Market. And you know how they all have to be alliterative. Yes. Hungry Harvest. (laughs) And um, we both do Thrive Market as well. And all of these options to get food delivered is supporting um, the people in your area. For example, if you're using a service like Instacart, um, it's employing people who might not otherwise have a job, but it's also helping to keep, you know, limiting the exposure and the amount of people who are out in the world. And as we are 
ramping up um, in this country to levels which we didn't even see at the height of the pandemic previously. Um, it's not yeah. to be What ta- it means is the height of the pandemic has not happened yet. Right. I, yes. Ah. Thanks for that dark moment there. As we enter <laughs> Halloween, Sarah brings the scare. We know that we are all over it. We've talked about that on our numerous mm-hmm. shows, but it doesn't mean that it's over just because we're over it. And um, I'm worried for our loved ones, for our listeners, their loved ones, and really the whole country as we enter the holiday season, which could otherwise be called like the gathering season, mm-hmm. um, as to what that could do as we are in this third wave of the pandemic, which is not great. And depending on where you live, like weather's not great. I mean, it's already snowing in several parts of the country in the middle of November. So um, we're going to talk about a lot of ideas. And um, I do want to just ensure that you guys have the resources that you need and um, recommend that you follow the CDC's recommended guidelines when pretty much doing anything. Sarah and I are not medical professionals, nor are we, you know, pandemic experts. We're sharing with you what we're thinking of and planning as we enter these holidays, as it relates to our families or that sort of thing with those recommendations in mind. But you have that same information that we have. And I, you know, encourage everyone to really be mindful of not just that, but also your state guidelines. I know for me, like Virginia has had, you know, much more strict guidelines than the rest of the country um, and very different from Georgia and very different from, you know, every other state. And so where you're living, just be mindful of those rules because we might say something like, um, you know, an outdoor event wearing masks and that might not even be possible depending on your state. I know in Virginia, they had banned events um, limiting to like three or more people at one point. And depending on how this goes, we might be there again in the near future. So just, you know, be mindful of that. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Now let's talk about scary Halloween. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think think it's, um, you know, as we get into talking about the holidays, the the reason why this is a different conversation this year, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the sort of normal challenges of, of the holiday season as well in terms of like staying on track and, and, um, not letting, um, the holiday season sort of derail all of the healthy habits that we've spent 10 months of the year building. Um, but it is, I mean, the, the challenges this year that we're going to be talking about in the show are, um, because there's this, this whole, extra complicating factor of it. It's not a lot of the things that we, um, are, are like go to normal ways to celebrate the holidays, to spend time with friends and family and office parties and all of those different things. Um, they're not necessarily safe things to do this year because of the, uh, coronavirus. And so, um, let's talk about how we can still, celebrate the holidays, still, um, still retain the, at least the, the meaning and the heart behind our traditions and do it in a way that is safe. Love that. So for me, one of the first things that I thought about with 
Halloween. And listeners, for those of you that don't know, Halloween is my favorite holiday. It's a big deal. And um, truth be told, we have done absolutely nothing because I was quite upset <laughs> that Halloween no. wasn't happening. And we have like an annual um, costume party like in order to come to a party you have to wear a costume and it's epic like it's it's it I think it would have been the eighth year I was there I was there one year yeah a lot of my really good friends I met through the first couple of years we did it um through a meetup group that we had actually uh like a paleo meetup group and we did it as kind of an alternative to Halloween and we would invite kids and we would do like apple bobbing and we would, you know, things not related to candy. And then um, everyone had to wear a costume. And actually, that's how I met Russ, who we've had on the show and who's a very good friend. Um, he came to one of those parties. So I personally was a little bit heartbroken about the idea of this not being a part of our tradition this year. But we... I did some research and we decided that our tradition this year was going to be that all the kids were old enough to watch a lot of the scary movies. And so we've kind of Mm. made like our Halloween tradition instead of being one night of a party has been like almost a month, like a couple of weeks of um, celebrating like the spooky season, if that makes sense, right? (laughs) Like working through um, our Halloween movie watch list with the boys, some of which um, I don't really want to watch or our youngest don't want to watch. I am not going to do that. Well, but not it all is. of them. There, we've we've nope. sectioned it out into family friendly films. Um, like you know, like what? like like the new witches movie. Oh, okay, fine, sure. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there are there are some. Ha- so I guess uh, there are Halloween movies that are not that are more camp and yes. Um, and uh, amusing and anything that's scary is not they're they're not like horror movies. It's not I a scary movie list. It's not movies. a Halloween. It's not a it's, it's a it's, Halloween it's, movie list. It's not a horror movie got list. It, got Although it, okay. there is a section of horror films, and that's why I'm saying like me and the little oh, yeah. boys don't want to watch that, but Matt and the boy, Matt and Cole, um, Matt and the big boy, yeah, yes, just the, just those two. Um, yeah. The, anyway, the, so we've got. We've got our movie list, and so every night, instead of kind of like, oh, what are we gonna do? Like, we're like, which movie are we gonna watch? And we all kind of take turns picking, and that's been fun. And I'm also going to start. You've been booed today. I've like prepared for it, and I know who which two neighbors I'm hitting up. Have you heard of this, Sarah? Um, we well, so we had something that was like this in in our neighborhood. It was always for like the new people in the neighborhood when we first came. Uh, we were booed and it was like a little, the doorbell was rang and I went to answer it and nobody was there because whoever it was ran like crazy fast, obviously to hide somewhere. And it was like a, a little basket of treats with a sign to hang in our window to say that we had been booed. So that was, that is my, my experience of like the first couple Halloween. I don't know if it, stopped like if it was just for newcomers that year it was like welcome to the neighborhood was a little thing in it um so is that well, so is you that can 
you can continue it. So it's supposed to be kind of like a pay it forward kind of thing. Like yes. you do it to we two then, people and we then, then did it to every, like yeah. a couple of our neighbors. Yeah. Yes. So you just drop off some treats, whatever that is with like a note that says you've been booed now you need to boo two more people. And in order to have it not be the same people over and over again, you do hang something on your door, your window, whatever that says I've been booed. So you print out that I've been booed to leave with the yep. person and then you give them the treats. And um, it's just a fun way to engage with your neighbors without personal contact. <laughs> you put, um, a little travel size Clorox wipes in the middle of it, the mm. package. No, I mean, I would want a different neighbor <laughs> to do <boo> me. <laughs> Just, um, but I'm sure you can come up with something creative if you don't want to do candy. There are so many options and different things that you can leave. Um, and how about things like a scavenger hunt around your neighborhood? Sarah and I have both been um, enjoying walks. We live in temperate climates, so this time of year is very nice for us. If you are living in Minnesota right now, maybe you're walking for your I mean maybe you're driving around instead of walking for your scavenger hunt because you've got you know six plus inches of snow but um you could as a parent go around the neighborhood and find things and put them on a list to know they're there or you could just print a random one off the internet of like things that you might find in your neighborhood and see what you can find and make it be an activity that you can do with your kids to, you know, get out of the house in fresh air, especially if you're doing virtual school, any excuse to like get your kids out into fresh air and walking around is great. Um, or a candy hunt. Um, I liked this idea and I think I'm going to surprise the kids and do this on Halloween night here and just give them flashlights. But I think I'm going to do like candy. We have kind of like a creepy wooded backyard. <laughs> Is that accurate, Sarah? <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't have called it creepy. It's definitely wooded. Um, but I can imagine at night, I mean, if yeah, if someone sent me back, going yes, in there, exactly. that would be so, we, and then, we, then you could get creep. We yeah. do. We do have a fog machine. So, oh, do you? Yeah. Perfect. Well, you know, like we're super, super into Halloween. We've, we've made our like front yard look like, you know, scary scenes. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Little kids have, like, we made our, our house so scary looking one year that little kids wouldn't come up to the house to get candy. <laughs> um, anyway, you could do um, a candy hunt or if you if you want to give your kids something other than candy, although there are obviously healthier options for candy. Um, but if you, you know, whatever you wanted to do to hide, kind of like an egg hunt um, for springtime Easter celebrations, you could do a candy hunt for Halloween celebrations. What, what my kids asked for was um, basically like a riddle based scavenger hunt in the house to get to the, we're, you know, we have plans basically to make homemade candy. Um, you know, there's enough challenging food allergies that there's, there's not, there's not very many store bought, candies that everybody in the house can eat and so the solution for that is okay well this year we'll we'll make homemade stuff that's you know loaded with sugar and everyone's gonna love it and it's gonna and everyone will be able to eat it and then uh and this is again I'm gonna have to find some time over the next couple of days to put this together but like a little then hunt with clues where they will go to different places and at the end they will find the homemade candy that we just finished making um and uh I know it's so it's it's I mean they're gonna have to be hard riddles I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time probably on the Google finding 
good riddles because I don't know that I have the creativity to come up with that many good ones that are like tricksy, but also once you figure out the answer, it's obvious. Like that's to me, that's the hallmark of a really good riddle that you're, you have to think and think and think, but then once you figure out the answer, you're like, well, of course, why did that take me so long? Um, and so, um, so that's, that's, that's our, that's our big plan. And it's, um, I think I'm going to have fun pulling that together. Um, I'm like, I want to be a part of that. (laughs) uh, I will send you some, this is what the answer needs to be. And, uh, you can definitely come up with some riddles for me. Cute. I also just, I think there's so many different things that you can do, especially on the night of, I know for us, we actually carve our pumpkins on that night so that we can reuse the pumpkin and roast them later. Um, because I'm upcycling my jack-o'-lantern. Yes, I am. Um, (laughs) So I am always super in a rush to get those pumpkins carved on the night for the boys to be able to like still eat dinner, get some Mm -hmm. protein in their body before they head out and surely eat who knows how much candy before they get home. Um, And for me, I've been like, oh, we could like take our time and have like really amazing jack-o'-lanterns and you know you can like have a jack-o'-lantern contest on your street or whatever right there's so many things that you can do that would be fun that are also traditions that you can carry forward I can see all of the things that we've just talked about as being something that your family might fall in love with and want to continue to do in the future so if you approach it from that positivity um, I did put together a list of what I call Halloween in quarantine, like safer alternatives um, in on the blog. And we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check those out. We're kind of like recapping these and giving some more detail. But for those of you that are listening and it's after Halloween, um, I think as we move into November, that is when it goes from being kind of like I don't know, the fun for the kids holiday, although maybe that's why I like it so much because I'm in denial that I'm an adult um, and more into that, that gathering holiday season, mm-hmm. right, of like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I think um, it becomes so much harder because we're going to be drawn to all those comfort foods in quarantine that, um, especially if we're not feeling our best, if we're not sleeping well because of anxiety, if we're not like having these habits, it becomes that much more difficult to um, make the choices that ultimately we really do want to make when we're in a good mental health space. Mm -hmm. Um, But the good news is um, it's hopefully easier from the perspective of there's less pressure from your aunt that is insisting that you eat the thing that you don't really want to eat or from that work party that people guilt you about, but you're not having the whatever. Um, And if you don't make it or buy it, it's not in your house. So I think if you want to have, like, I would say whatever it is you want, come up with the plan now, right? Like, you don't need to wait for New Year's for a resolution. You can decide today, like, what is, what would you like your holiday season to look like? 
are you going to spend time making baked goods from scratch? And I see a lot of families using that as an opportunity to connect to one another. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if that's not part of your plan, or that's not what you want, or it becomes too much, and there's too much temptation, and that wasn't your goal, or whatever it is, if you come up with that plan now, you will be in control of it as you go forward. And it's actually one of the reasons that I started my daily walk, because I realized that my mental health is so tied to physical activity. I mean, we've talked about it before on this show, like, and not being able to, um, do water aerobics has been very difficult on me. And just riding the bike has not been sufficient because um, I am only comfortable doing that like three times a week. Like, uh, I don't need to get into the details, but it's just, you know, for recovery, I like a day between. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't enough for my mental health. So Sarah, you've been talking about walks. I have a couple other friends who have been really enjoying their walks. And autumn is my favorite time of year. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to see it every single day. Even if I'm not like going somewhere in my car, I can still enjoy autumn. I can still enjoy fall. And um, I've been every single day finding a new path, a new way to go in the neighborhood. And eventually I'll run out, (laughs) right? But like, you know, um discovering going down pipe stems of of um streets that I would not normally go to because it's like a private drive but you know I'm like oh this is so pretty down here whatever you know like it just it feels kind of new and exciting and um refreshing and fulfilling and by creating this habit now in a time that it is so enjoyable for me, I'm hoping that it will be a routine, a routine that I am able to continue when the cold weather hits um, and just, you know, kind of transition my walk into a winter walk, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, wouldn't be a time that I would start walking. <laughs> Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, so the way that I, um, the way that I got into a daily, I either go for, a long walk in the neighborhood. So we typically walk three to four miles every morning uh, or hike in the woods. Um, and we've got a couple of different places where we can, we can do that that are a pretty short drive away from where we are. Um, the way that I got into that rock solid habit, rain or shine <laughs> walk for like an hour and 15 minutes every morning is uh, I got a really high energy <laughs> dog who is a, uh, uh, only well behaved if she gets that walk in the morning. So um, I'm just saying, um, if anyone needs the extra motivation, a uh, high energy high energy dog is definitely an option. I think it's so funny because when I'm walking, I am literally the only person without a dog. Um, because if I tried to take Penny on my long walk, she would pass out on the sidewalk and have me <laughs> have to carry her. Um, it's it's so funny how different our dogs still, are. I will like take her for an extra long walk in the morning and then I'll come come home and unleash her in the backyard and she will still do these like this zoom three giant sprinting laps of the backyard before going in. I'm like, did I not we just like what? <laughs> She's I don't this very, very, very different breed of dog. Um but that I mean it was one of the it was in the that was a check mark in the pro column for me when I was doing my research as our listeners who listened to our um, show about 
dogs and pets and how great they are um will know and uh and now that we're we're in it and she's uh, oh she's about three quarters grown now um so she's she's really she's got the long legs to be able to to uh go on these these longer walks now it's i mean it's lovely we we've um even done you know my 13 year old came with me and we were walking in the rain um when uh we've been in the path of um a couple of and where we are in in georgia this is sort of normal to get one a year this year we're going to get at least three um but a hurricane remnant so it's like a tropical depression by the time it gets to us but it'll drop a ton of rain so we had um, Hurricane Sally, by the time it was a depression over Atlanta, dropped about 10 inches of rain and Delta dropped about eight inches of rain. So we, we just get these like, you know, 48 hours of torrential downpour and we've been taking the dog for walks in them. And they've been the most fun walks because we're out by ourselves, we're drenched um, and and it just it gets to the point where it's like so funny to be out that it makes it so much fun and it's just like a completely different experience. And those have been the days where I've appreciated a dog more than any other, because there's no way I would have opted to go for a walk in a rainstorm. Like it's, you know, where we are, it's, it's not a hurricane anymore. It's perfectly safe to be out in it. Um, and, uh, it's just a lot of rain in a fairly short period of time. And so we're not going anywhere where there's potentially flash floods or anything, but, um, it's, you know, the, the rain or shine aspect of, of going for these morning walks has been actually really wonderful. Like it's, it's something that I sort of knew was, you know, I knew, oh man, well, you know, it's one of the, you got to scoop poop and you, you got to go for a walk no matter what the weather is. Right. Those are like the, 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 cost benefit analysis of getting a dog. Um, I have, I have loved my, some of the most fun walks we've done have been the inclement weather walks. And, um, and those are the ones that I, I wouldn't have chosen to do without the motivation of, uh, wanting my dog to not destroy my house. Sometimes you say things and I'm, I want to like knock on you to see if you're human, you know, just like if you were with me, like just give me a little poke. I would not have predicted uh, ahead of time. (laughs) that those would be the fun walks. And I, I did buy like a real rain jacket in order to be able to do these walks. Um, because there's, <laughs> you know, there's no way that with a puppy I'm not going to be holding an umbrella and keeping a puppy, you know, under control on a leash. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have, I like, that's not something I, I knew about myself ahead of time. Um, but there's something about, I don't know. It's something there's something really similar to being out in nature. So even if it's my neighborhood and it's pouring rain or it's foggy or it's freezing cold. Um, I mean, talk to me again in six months after doing this through the winter, Mm. but, um, we don't get a lot of snow where you are at least. So no, we don't. I mean, a little snow can be fun, but a lot of snow for months on end can sometimes be overwhelming. I have, I have lived in that weather before and, um, I still have my, uh, Sorrel boots, so (laughs) I think I'll be okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I have generally found that, um, you know, there's a trick to, to dressing for the weather and, and that's important no matter where you are, but it's, um, there's something about it that feels 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm communicating it correctly. Um, what I'm hearing is that this is a practice of self care, and that yeah, you know sure. it's it's surprising you, but I think that's that's something about self care is it's not necessarily the things we might have intuitively realized we needed, but we need to make space for. And so I think part of what you're doing is also you know, here, I'll be your therapist for a moment. Okay. Part part of what I think is enjoyable about that is knowing that you're still doing it despite the fact that it's raining. And, you no, know, there's, there's a sense of like self-pride in knowing that you're committed to something and you're doing it for your dog and you're doing it for you. And I think that practice of self-love um, isn't necessarily what marketing materials might tell you what self-love is right sometimes self-love is doesn't feel great (laughs) in what we're telling ourselves we need to do but we feel so much better on the outside uh, on the after of that and you know for me physical activity is absolutely an act of self-care and self-love because I feel so much better after and um you know getting good sleep telling myself I know that that's on my to-do list, but the world is not going to explode if I don't do it. And I'm going to like take time to decompress and manage my stress. Um, I think really holding the space for yourself as we enter the season for mental health is so important. And giving yourself the grace when you don't do those things. I, I will admit the past few weeks have caught up on me and I didn't realize how much I wasn't moving my body, how much Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting good sleep. Um, And we've talked about it in the show. It's kind of a snowball. Like, you know, you miss kind of one thing and then it becomes this, okay, well, I'm not doing this. And then you break the habits. And then all of a sudden you realize like, oh, I got out of the habit of all the things that actually help me feel my best. And getting back in can be difficult, but if you tell yourself bad things, if you tell yourself you're a bad person because of that, it's not doing anyone any good. And this season is going to be difficult. Um, I mean, this holiday season time period is one of the worst for mental health as it is um, for people who have, you know, difficult relationships with loved ones or who have lost loved ones or, you know, just the um, changing of the weather with seasonal affective disorder, right? Like there's all of these reasons why this season is different or this season is difficult. And now we're adding on top of that, this season is different with the added stress of um, a global pandemic and what that means for the traditions and the things that we might want, but that we know aren't best. And um, I don't, I just, you know, I want to remind everyone I saw this like quote and it's really kind of stuck with me. Like I have it kind of flash in my head sometimes when I'm having a difficult moment and it's, you know, whoever needs to hear this right now, you're staying home and self-isolating might have saved a life and you don't know that and you can't point to it, but you, you are worth congratulating yourself for making that sacrifice for others and for yourself. And so when you're having those times where you're just frustrated because, you know, your Facebook friend is having a holiday party in person, um, you know, just turn it off and walk away and surround yourself with people that 
make you feel good and be proud of the decisions that you're making. And if, you know, a decision is made that is off plan for you, whatever that looks like, it's okay. Like, you know, just give yourself the grace of, you know, forgiveness and moving forward because guilt and shame do nobody any kind of good at all. Um, and the other thing I was just going to say, the other thing that I've been getting back into and kudos to Sarah is, um, gratitude. Um, (laughs) I refuse to call it meditation, (laughs) breathing exercises and gratitude. That's what I'm going to call it. (laughs) Um, no, I, I actually, so my, uh, almost 11 year old, um, youngest is certainly the, the person in our family who, um, is most challenged by the physical isolation of coronavirus. And, uh, you know, my kids are going to school virtually and they have, you know, planned, you know, zoom lunch tables and they, you know, they're we've worked really hard to make sure that they feel still feel socially connected. Um, but she's the one she's super empathetic. So she's the one who also, you know, just, um, knowing what's happening in the world will get her really upset. Um, and so one of the things that we've really tried to focus on, um, when, you know, not just when she's getting upset, but all that all the time is, you know, gratitude practice. So what can we be thankful for in terms of our situation? What are, um, you know, we talk about silver linings quite a lot in, in the family. So we talk about, um, you know, think about how great it is that, you know, at a time when we got a puppy, this puppy has gotten to bond equally with every single member of the family because we're all at home and so we're getting to have a relationship with this dog that's, that's, you know, different than if you guys were at school and work all day and that I was home alone with the dog all day. And then you guys came home, like you, you have a better bond with this dog who needs her morning cuddles separately with each single person on the floor where she tries to melt into your body. It's the most wonderful thing. And she has to do her round of each single person because she's that bonded to all of us. And so, um, so trying to highlight positives, try to appreciate where we're really fortunate. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we don't get frustrated or, um, you know, feel some days it just, it all feels much heavier. And, um, at the same time as we're trying to practice gratitude, I think it's also important to acknowledge the challenges and the fact that we're all challenged, even, even those that are, of us that are really fortunate to be able to, to work from home and, um, and, you know, have our kids do school from home, right? That, that is not a luxury that everybody has. And so appreciating, appreciating where we're fortunate, appreciating the positives that we can, that we can focus on and still acknowledging that, you know, all of us are, um, having to adapt to a really unprecedented situation. And so a gratitude practice has really become super central in, in how we are navigating, um, 
just, I mean, not just the holidays, but just the, the time right now. Um, because it's, it's been so important to, um, it's not the same as optimism, right? So it's not the same as ignoring, um, ignoring reality and trying to, you know, put on this super happy face. It's about tangible, um, things or qualities or, um, events that we can focus on and feel gratitude for by way of, um, allowing ourselves to experience the full, the full range of emotions that we can have right now and not allow ourselves to perseverate on the negative. Just going to point out that you use the word perseverate. Oh, I love the word perseverate. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's not your favorite. I've never heard you use it. It's wonderful, but it can't be your favorite. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think that's good too. This, this concept of like social distance doesn't mean social isolation. One of the things when you were talking and I was thinking about like how we've made time for our kids to have time to interact with um, their friends virtually mm-hmm. I had this like pop up in my head wondering if we could set our Catan boards up to be the same and then like virtually play because I don't think we adults are doing as good a job of that. I think that we think we are on Zoom all the time or on, you know, whatever, because we're working remotely or Mm -hmm. that we're connecting with people because you're on social media. But that is not the same thing as like, having a one-on-one connection with someone like whether that's picking up the phone and having no distractions conversation with someone or you know uh like I said the the, zoom where you're kind of playing or whatever I mean earlier this year we're not doing it anymore but we were doing um physically distanced mosh where we all were playing the same game on an electronic device instead of all sharing touch tiles, but we were sitting, um, you know, more than six feet apart in a circle. And um, now that the weather's cooler and cases are rising, we're not doing that. But I think as we transition away from those things that we might have had opportunity to do in the summer, we need to continue to make that time for social connection um, Mm -hmm. without the physical touch because we're it's going to be different than it was the first few months when we were in winter because we've been doing this for a long time now and our bodies and our minds are tired and we're over it and so you've we've got to make you know calculated and intentional decisions for those connections so why don't we talk a little bit about how we're each handling our planned holidays (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, So we actually um, decided to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving this year. Um, And we may still, we may just do both. We're all dual citizens. We can have two Thanksgivings. Um, Listen, the more the merrier. Celebrate everything you can. (laughs) Well, and Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. So um, I love Thanksgiving because it is a a holiday that is about uh, celebrating relationships it's about gratitude and it's about good food and there's no um 
you know, oh my gosh, what am I going to gift this person? Right. There's, there's, to me, it's, it's always been a holiday that doesn't, um, it doesn't present me with the same kind of stress as some of the other holidays. Um, and I love cooking. I love cooking Turkey. Turkey dinner's delicious. Pumpkin pie is my favorite. Um, and so it's, it's always been, uh, my favorite holiday. And so we, uh, we were faced with a, uh, freezer malfunction, which was not my favorite day. Um, and there was a Turkey in there that I was saving for American Thanksgiving and we needed to eat the, uh, meat that hadn't, um, thawed completely. So the good thing about the Turkey was that it survived to the freezer malfunction cause it was so big. Um, but then it was like, well, we, we really can't just let this now sit in the freezer. I'm like, well, let's, let's Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, and so, you know, we basically were able to do that, um, just as our, our family. And uh, I mean, our, our Thanksgiving often is just our family. Um, if we don't have somebody coming to visit us, um, because we live so far away from all of our family. But one of the things that we incorporated this year was because we were actually celebrating the same day as all of our Canadian relatives, um, was to have, uh, like FaceTime zoom, um, video. And we actually did it earlier in the day because of the time zone difference. So we weren't doing it while we were eating, but, um, we were able to incorporate that sort of family gathering festivity aspect to the holiday. And I can tell you one of the things that my mom's been doing weekly is these like zoom dinner parties where she gets together with her friends, they pick recipes together, they make the same thing and then they eat dinner together over zoom. Um, and it's anywhere between like three and I think there's like six of them doing it. So they don't always, you know, not everybody's there every week. Um, and I love that idea of me not just doing it for, for Thanksgiving dinner or, um, any other big holiday dinner. Um, but even bringing that into like a weekly, um, uh, like a weekly social time where we get to, you know, I think as humans, we tend to celebrate with food, um, food and, um, socialization tend to go together. And so being able to make a special dinner at home and still share it with a friend who made the same special dinner at home, um, over, over zoom or, or there's, I mean, there's a million different video conferencing softwares now, you can Skype, FaceTime, whatever. But, um, but that has been, that was, that to me was like the, the way that we were able to bring our family into that day and in a way that we haven't been doing. So, you know, we've lived separated from our family we've been in America for 15 years and, um, you know, we've gotten used to basically celebrating a lot of these holidays that would normally be fathered family gatherings as just our little nuclear family. And, um, one of the things that, that coronavirus did was as we were troubleshooting socialization in the digital medium for other parts of our lives, it became an obvious way to incorporate it into our Thanksgiving celebration. And we have intentions to do that throughout the holiday season of, um, bringing in that video group chaos call, um, in order to, to sort of celebrate 
with long distance with our family that in a way that we we haven't done before and and we'll I think we'll probably do that forever now like that'll be part of every holiday cute I love the idea of like doing it with a shared menu um you know so it feels like you're eating the same thing um or the idea of you know if you are going to do like this virtual thing one of the things that we always do at um Thanksgiving is we go around the table and I'll give thanks for Mm -hmm. something. And I can totally see that being something you could do virtually, you know, everybody have a toast to each other or, you know, before everyone eats their meal or it doesn't even need to be like you said about that. It can be at whatever time, but still continue that tradition. Cause I think that there is something so grounding and peaceful about traditions. If you can find a way to, continue some of them in just a slightly different way like that. Um, I will say, I will admit, um, this Thanksgiving is my mother's 60th birthday. And for my father's 60th birthday, we went on a European cruise. It's kind of a big deal. (laughs) And my mom had hopes of a big deal. She sent out like, um, save the date notices, um, a long time ago that obviously, you know, isn't happening. But we did want to do something special with her. And so we have uh, state parks where we live. Probably everybody has where they live. And you can rent um, non-rustic cabins. So cabins that like have running water and electricity in them. So like mini kitchens. Um, These ones that we rented actually have full kitchens, which um, is beneficial for the fact that we're going to do Thanksgiving there. But each family has their own cabin. And then we are going to have an outdoor kind of um, Thanksgiving slash birthday for her as much as we can still, you know, have picnic tables, maybe like in a circle or who knows what we're going to do. Right. But um we're trying to figure out a way that we could still be in person, but be um, mindful of, like I said, CDC recommendations. And um, we, of course, will continue to watch what's happening here in our state. And we will be safe in quarantine and self-isolate for <laughs> a week or two before we go and try to um, maintain our distance from one another and not go into each other's houses right so yeah um it's hard it's really hard and you know my my mom has been second guessing this a lot and um you know I think part of it is to what extent do we all want to say okay I can just wait and we can do this later but it's been a year by the time you know what I mean like by the Mm -hmm. time we're done with this third wave in the end of the season, it will probably have been a full year. Like is, will it be another year? And, you know, um, I think we all just need to kind of be aware of those things. And as much as you can be smart, you know, distance, be outside, wear a mask, wash your hands, (laughs) keep like a tool belt of hand sanitizer. Um, (laughs) there's going to be so many good, um, Halloween costumes, but, um, you know, it's, it is, it is not without a difficult decision, no matter which one you make. And I do think that, you know, that goes back to that, um, giving yourself grace and just doing the best that you can always thinking 
just doing the best that you can and making the best decisions with the information that you have. And I think if it doesn't feel right, if something feels off, then listen to your gut and your intuition. Because, you know, what I've been thinking is like, if something happened, if, you know, one of us in, you know, going to the grocery store, or, you know, getting whatever, if one of us were to pick it up, could we spread it to each other? What's the worst case scenario? And would I, would I be okay with that? And, um, I think the, the answer is no on my part. Right. And so, but you just, you have to do what, um, the best that you can with the information that you have, like I said. So, um, that's where I had like talked to my mom about, okay, we need separate living quarters. Like we need to get more cabins. Yeah. Like we're going to separate out and we're going to be, we'll meet up outside. I, I have friends who in order to, to do a, you know, family gathering, um, everyone got tested beforehand and then also quarantined. Um, so basically made sure they were doing right. Like only grocery delivery, not going out, you know, not going out anywhere, right. Completely, uh, as safe as possible. And everyone got negative tests and it's because they had elderly grandparents as part of, um, their celebration. Um, and, um, and so, you know, I don't know with the current, um, increase in cases. Um, I imagine that tests are going to get harder to get again. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily an option right now, but that is one thing to look into, especially if you're really worried about, um, you know, seeing relatives in person who are at risk. Um, it's also, you know, possible to get really high, um, quality masks for that situation. Like we still want people to opt for, cloth masks, um, and not opt for medical grade masks, um, as often as possible, because we want to make sure that that supply chain is intact for healthcare professionals who need the PPE in order to keep themselves safe. Um, but this is also a situation where buying a, you know, one pack of N95s in order to see grandparents, um, that needs to be, that needs to not be the only thing, right? That needs to be layered on top of still doing our best to maintain distance, well-ventilated areas outside is the best. Um, and ideally a two week, you know, quarantine period beforehand. Um, but that is right. That is the type of, um, consideration that makes sense if there's a really strong reason for having an in-person event. Um, and also, you know, recall that the level of community spread in your area is part of the equation. Um, and so having a look at what case numbers are doing, are they on the rise? Um, you know, what, what is the right, what is the slope in terms of daily case numbers and knowing, and one of the things that this is a total COVID tangent, um, but it drives me crazy that we get these news stories every Monday and Tuesday about how cases are lower. And then we get these news stories every Friday and Saturday um, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that cases are crazy. There is a weekly ebb and flow that is uh, related to the ease of getting a test during the week and how many days it takes to get your results back. And so that when that's actually reported and so Sunday and Monday, every single week are the lowest numbers of new cases reported. Um, Tuesday can be still fairly low. Wednesday tends to creep up. Thursday, Friday, Friday tends to be the highest. Saturday can still be quite high, um, usually a little bit lower than Friday. And, and then you 
do that same ebb and flow. So don't look at just uh, what today's numbers are. Um, look at the seven day average um, and look at, you know, actually look at the graph and look at what the slope of that line is actually doing in your area. Um, and that will give you better actionable information to, to make these decisions because how safe or unsafe it is to get together in person is it's, you know, the country's not, it's not the same across the country. Um, it's not even the same across individual states or individual counties. And so having a look at as granular of data as you can to understand what's going on in your area and whether or not look at test positivity rates. That's another really important indicator. Um, you know, they look at test positivity rates. The, the main thing that number is telling um, public health officials is whether or not they're doing enough testing. So basically, if the rate is 5% or lower, um, that's sort of a measure of we're probably doing enough testing to be um, accurately measuring what's going on. Um, there's a lot of areas in the country right now with test positivity rates around 20%, which almost certainly means there are a lot of cases that are going undiagnosed. And so um, that's another important piece of data to be able to look at to make these decisions of, you know, okay, this is what I really want to do. Um, how can I make that work? Here's, here's the like obvious ways to make this safer. Here's the, you know, okay, I, you know, this, this data makes it look like this is really not a good plan. Um, here's what we're going to settle for. And, and that, that type of decision-making and analysis is going to be, entirely individual because other parts of that equation is who's at risk, who, right? Who, um, like who, who is actually getting together? How many people, what, what's the location? All of those different factors are all parts of the equation. Um, but I think it's also as much as possible to make data driven decisions as opposed to emotion driven decisions. I think right now, um, it's more important than ever. I think that's helpful and good information. I think one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, before getting together, taking tests if you can, um, and, you know, that self-isolation beforehand. One of the things that I've been thinking about in consideration of Christmas is um, instead of like our normal huge gathering, um, we, we always host like a big Christmas brunch. Are there relatives who we could e either visit ourselves, like my sister who moved to Florida, or who could visit us as kind of a shared pod for like a week or two or whatever, because people, um, for example, like virtual school will be on pause or, you know, in-person right. school, whatever. What does that look like? Like, okay, once they're there and we know we're safe and we're in a shared space, you know, we know we're good. So how do we safely get there? And I, I... I appreciate you sharing and I like the idea of kind of testing beforehand. And um, one of the other things is just to kind of be mindful of you could do all that effort. And then if you travel, um, like, for example, on an airplane or in a, you know, like in a crowded train or whatever, however you're traveling, um, you could be re-exposing yourself during that time. So, you know, is there a space kind of in between where you and your families live where you could meet up that's kind of a, a middle place for everybody where you could like rent a 
home. Um, and I can tell you because I have been looking into it, a lot of these places um, have uh, sanitation certification approval and are spacing out their home rentals by three days between um, so that like the air and the surfaces, even after they've been cleaned, are um, settled, so to speak, cool. before you rent a space. And not all of them. So definitely, you know, when you're looking into something like that. But um, I think people are learning because it's it's been around longer. Um, but I, I do think you need to plan ahead because everybody's in the same situation and there isn't... Um, an inventory that allows for everybody to do this, right? So if you are um, kind of trying to figure out what that looks like for you and how it could look like, um, I wouldn't just assume, oh, everybody's staying home. I'll just think about it later. I think quite the opposite. I think people are like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make this work? How can I see my family? I need to get out of my house. I've been here for months. You know, so um, the more that you can kind of... Um, plan ahead to set yourself up for success, especially, I think, um, that winter holiday, whatever that is for you, Christmas, Hanukkah, Ramadan, winter solstice. Um, what do they call it in Seinfeld? The one with the pole? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't remember. We're terrible, terrible 40-ish year old women right now. <laughs> <laughs> Every listener is like yelling the name of the holiday with the pole. Yeah. You um, know, I, I prefer to think of it as my very late 30s. Right. Okay. So um, <laughs> <laughs> my point is whatever whatever holiday you're celebrating, um, you know, it's it will be winter, right? That is the nature of that. And while weather might be temperate for um, Halloween and Thanksgiving, usually here in Virginia, it's nice enough in Thanksgiving for us to plan to do things outside. Maybe not after the sun sets, but we can like sit around a big fire or whatever, you know. Um, but the winter holiday is too cold for us. And so um, you got to think outside the box or, you know, keep it virtual, keep it small. I think there can be something really special and intimate about a quiet, slow, holiday. Um, and we really, if we lean in and we think about it as a positive and the new traditions that we can create, like we've been talking about, that doesn't necessarily mean bad things either. So that said, I do think it's important we kind of wrap up with this New Year's expectation. And if I have to hear the word quarantine 15 one more time and I'll lose my mind. And we're, it's like, we're not even like close to how many times I'm going to hear it. Um, so, ah, Sarah just remembered and she put it in the, in the show notes. It's Festivus. I bet you Googled it, didn't you? I totally had to Google it. I was, I was completely blanking on it. But now that we mentioned it, I figured it Festivus the for the notes. rest of us. Yes. I can't believe I forgot. Um, okay. So, Sarah, are you going to? You gonna create some resolutions to lose the quarantine fifteen? No. (laughs) Can I can I have a stronger cry of denial? Absolutely not. No. 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 So first of all, uh, we've already talked recently on the podcast about the fact that the damaging thing about being 
overweight is the stigma associated with it. And the quarantine 15 whole thing and all of, there's going to be so many commercials and there's going to be influencers peddling whatever. And it's all about, it's all magnifying the shame and feelings of inadequacy. Um, if, if, you know, I think it's all of us are living lives that don't look like normal and that tends to reflect itself in our bodies. And that's fine. It's a once in a century, knock on wood, global pandemic. And, um, and I refuse to allow someone else's perception of how I should be managing my life during a pandemic to make me feel shame about my body. That is not okay. So no, I'm not going to be trying to lose the quarantine 15. Plus, you know, we've also talked about when it comes to uh, achieving a healthy weight, which comes with aiming, you know, working on healthy habits, habit-centered resolutions are far more effective than goal, you know, I'm going to lose X number of weight type resolutions. And they allow us to have a positive mindset because we're actually doing self-care by working on things that we know are going to make us healthier and giving ourselves the grace to figure out the give and take in our current situation. So I, in every, no matter which way I look at New Year's resolutions this year, and I mean, I haven't figured out what they're going to be. I've got some time to figure that out. There is not going to be a weight loss resolution on the docket this year. There hasn't been for many, many years, but um, I absolutely think that I, I am predicting um, I am predicting uh, that I may just need a social media holiday um, for about a week before New Year's and about two or three weeks after, just to be able to not be bombarded with, you know, quarantine 15 weight loss commercials and gimmicks and other stuff. Teas and false detoxes. Yes. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. We have a show about um, what really is a detox, because that's another one that I've seen creeping up a lot lately. Um, and I... No, a tea is not okay. I'm just gonna stop there. No, um, I like tea your... is not a detox. No, huh? If you put it up your butt, it is not. Don't don't do that. <laughs> you immediately got me like, Ugh. but that's the type. I mean, I know, I know. It's I. It's okay. Moving right along, we have a whole show dedicated to that. If you're like, what are you talking about right now? We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I do love your idea of of focusing it around habits, though, because that's how I've been. Fo- that's how I train my brain to rethink about these things, right? Instead of like, I need to do more. I need to be more efficient with my time. A lot of times, our goals are centered around like, you know, I want to be more successful at something. Instead, um focus on if I get more sleep, I will be more effective. So I'm going to get more sleep. Instead of I want to lose weight, I want to be healthy. I want to be active because I know that that is actually a better indicator of health. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to build in physical activity that makes me happy and feel good. And instead of I'm going to participate in this, you know, challenge, whether it's a juice, juice cleanse or a you know, 
short-term food challenge. I'm not talking about, you know, elimination diets for your, your health. I'm talking about, um, like a weight loss type challenge. Um, you know, add in instead of doing something like that, say I'm going to challenge myself to add more vegetables. I'm just going to focus on eating more vegetables. And I think when we focus on building in the habits of sleep and physical activity and eating more vegetables and things like that, it leads to ultimately the goal that we really have, which is improved health. So if you hear people talking about quarantine 15 and needing to detox from 2020 and blah, 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 like, 2021, when the clock strikes midnight, is not a magical time. Like, I know that we're all joking about 2020 being a crazy year, but the the pandemic does not stop when the clock strikes midnight. And um, having an expectation that the world is going to change is just going to lead us to disappointment and frustration. Yeah. So set yourself up for this idea that next year isn't going to be off to an easy start either. And what can you do to set yourself up for success in terms of feeling good towards the goals that you have? And that might be health, that might be something entirely differently. I think we've all kind of been re-examining what our priorities are and where, you know, our goals really lie. And, you know, I've seen so many people changing kind of mindset because of this year who might not have really been focused on things that were truly about making them happy or spending time with their loved ones. And now that they've had kind of this time to reflect, those are the kind of changes and resolutions that can have a positive impact on your life and not how to lose five pounds of water weight that you're just going to rebound. And they're also the ones that last beyond February. Uh, you know, that's the other, you know, I'm sure um, every single listener has experienced the, you know, I'm going to go to the gym resolution and the new gym measure, um, membership. And then by, you know, February, I'm not going anymore. Um, like that is, that is uh, a classic stereotype for a reason. And I think that when we make goals that are about habit forming and that they're realistic, uh, stepwise progressions. Um, so that's the other thing, right? So often we, even when we focus on a habit centered goal, we can bite off more than we can chew. So, uh, that pardon the terrible pun, but for example, right. So, um, instead of the goal being, I'm going to um, I'm going to eat 10 more servings of vegetables every single day than I do now, right? Maybe the goal can be I'm going to add a serving a day to my, you know, to my meals spread out throughout the day. And every two weeks, I'm going to up that until I reach this goal, right? So thinking even with habit-centered goals about manageable steps and progression, and it's um, it's it's not about we want to make sure that we're setting ourselves up to succeed um, with any kind of resolution, right? Any kind of um, healthy habit type change at any point in the year. And um, sometimes it just means diligence and getting through that transition period until we've repeated that thing enough times that it is now a habit and that can take months. It doesn't just take 21 days, unfortunately. Um, But sometimes it's 
it's really about figuring out how we can break something up into smaller pieces and then work on it a piece at a time and and really looking at change lasting positive change as being necessarily iterative and so i think you know getting back to i think the the thesis of this entire episode is about being able to um do the best we can in the situation that we're in and give ourselves the grace to uh, not be perfect. And, and, you know, there's just, there's not going to be such a thing as perfection in the holidays. I mean, this year or any year. Um, And so I think being able to look at New Year's resolutions in terms of, um, in terms of realistic, iterative, habit-centered goals that incorporate a mindset piece is the way that we can make those new habits really stick, like actually get to the point where they're habits. Drops mic. Yes. Agreed. Well, listeners, you've made it through all of 2020 with this, you know, preview of what's to come. And we hope that we've um, sent you on a path of personal positivity to approach each of the major holidays that you might encounter. Of course, we can't cover everything, but um, I think in general, just having this mindset I know will be helpful for me and I hope for you as well. Um, I look forward to recapping what we really feel over on Patreon. So make sure you pop in there if you're not already part of our Patreon family. You can download our bonus follow-ons to each episode for a really low monthly fee that helps support our podcast. And um, as you know, we try to only have sponsors on the show who we truly love, support, and believe in, and personally use ourselves. This week, we mentioned you can get a free turkey at butcherbox.com slash the paleo view, um, but they do not sponsor our show. And so your support um, just is so incredibly helpful and means the world to us. And we appreciate you being here, being there, supporting us on social media, leaving reviews, telling your friends and family, all of these things genuinely from the bottom of my tiny black heart. Um, (laughs) I give much gratitude. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week. Do you love the Whole View podcast? We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen and share a podcast with your friends and family. And did you know that you can now get exclusive behind-the-scenes content on Patreon for less than the price of an almond milk matcha a month? Your Patreon membership supports us and gets you access to a monthly bonus episode. But not for kids' ears, because our bonus content is explicit. You can find us as The Whole View on Patreon for our real, unfiltered thoughts on this week's episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.